I love dark chocolate as a sweet treat that might also have some health benefits. But apparently, some of those bars contain two heavy metals, cadmium and lead, that are linked to myriad health problems in kids and adults. Scientists at Consumer Reports recently measured the amount of heavy metals in 28 dark chocolate bars and found cadmium and lead in all of them. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. This is Pulse Check. I'm Lauren Gardner. The DEA alleged last week that TruePill, an online pharmacy startup, doled out controlled substances without a legitimate medical purpose and engaged in other unlawful dispensing practices. The company served as the pharmacy for Cerebral, the telehealth provider under DOJ investigation over potential controlled substances violations for overprescribing ADHD medicine. TruePill told The Wall Street Journal it was cooperating with the DEA and has done nothing wrong. Senate Democrats' number two leader, Illinois' Dick Durbin, said his bill to overhaul the regulation of dietary supplements won't make it into a year-end legislative package. Durbin's legislation would require supplement companies to register information about their products with the FDA. Currently, supplement makers don't need FDA approval to sell their products, nor do they usually have to provide proof their products are safe. And next month... Senator Bernie Sanders takes the reins of the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. Megan Wilson is here to talk about how that might play out on Capitol Hill and K Street. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So, Bernie Sanders expected to be the incoming chair of the Senate Health Committee, which has, obviously, jurisdiction over health. Yep. He's a big critic of lobbyists and just money and politics in general. So uh, that's probably going to be a, an interesting time for lobbyists uh, <laughs> who, who are watching the committee next Congress, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, so help is obviously giant, right? You know, there's the health, there's the labor, there's the education, there's, you know, pensions. It's everything that Bernie Sanders cares about, and it's things that involve a lot of money. And wherever there's money involved— there's lobbyists involved. And so, right, exactly. And so, you know, many members of Congress, you know, have relationships with lobbyists, either because they like worked for them or worked closely with them, like while they they were on the Hill, um, or because, you know, they, they give to their campaigns. But that sort of relationship doesn't really exist with Sanders. And so a lot of lobbyists don't really have entree into his office. So Mm. even if they're trying to bring something to his attention, even if it's not, you know, directly lobbying for or against something, I think that's going to be a challenge. Like just the ability to be able to to say, hey, heads up, chairman, Uh, this is an issue. Yeah. I mean, some lobbyists were telling me that like his staff won't return their calls at all. So it's not just Sanders. It sort of trickles down to his staff as well, Mm. where where they also – generally, you know, have worked for him for a very long time or progressive campaigns or, you know, they also are sort of in the same mindset. So um, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how lobbyists sort of navigate that dynamic. So do any trade groups or lobbyists that you've talked to, do any, do any of them have a game plan heading into next Congress? So it's interesting. I think people are still trying to figure this out. You know, there is, okay, we'll maybe, we'll go to their House counterpart, the the Energy and Commerce Committee. Mm -hmm. We'll work with, you know, Kathy McMorris-Rogers and Frank Pallone, the lead Republican and Democrat down there on the Energy and Commerce Committee, and try to to sort of work things through them. 
will try to maybe get in the ear of like progressive lawmakers that he listens to. So Mm -hmm. get them to talk to him, get into sort of progressive like media or organizations. And and so, you know, someone made a joke of like, I I wonder if, you know, pharma is going to start cutting money to some of these like (laughs) progressive campaign, progressive organizations so that, you know, they'll listen to his issues because he's not receptive to pharmaceutical lobbyists, if, if, um, if you can believe it. We'll be right back. With Democrats maintaining a majority in the Senate, that gives them subpoena power. What's the expectation here for how a chair Sanders might wield that? And yeah. what what is what are the various health industries that are watching this committee? What are they keeping their eye on? What are they fearful of? Yeah. Well, I mean, having 51 now, they can they don't need any Republican input. To, to issue subpoenas now. So mm-hmm. so this is kind of a, a brave new world. You know, Sanders has said, you know, he's cognizant that, you know, Democrats have a lot of seats to defend in 2024. So he can't just be throwing things out, you know, here, there and everywhere, making maybe some more moderate Democrats have to defend some of some of his actions. But that being said, if you're a pharmaceutical executive, you should definitely be expected to be hauled up to Capitol Hill to the help committee to sort of talk about drug pricing issues, to talk about why, you know, drug prices are so high and what they plan on doing about it, talking about um, and, and this may not be exclusive to the healthcare world, but income inequality, right? Mm. CEO versus worker pay is mm. going to be a huge deal perhaps even the impact of climate change on health outcomes. And so I think there's a number of ways that Sanders could use his subpoena power. People are a little bit on the edge of their seats about it. Well, it'll be interesting to see how he balances those competing interests of, you know, sticking to what you would expect from a chair Sanders leading a committee where, you know, he's going to have power over all of these pet interests of his, but also keeping in mind that 2024 is a very big year yeah. for Democrats. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be interesting. And, you know, there's also the the question of, is he going to be able to work with his ranking member, uh, yep. you know, Senator Bill Cassidy, who's known for being a little bit of a populist Republican in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they work together, then oh, executives should be even a little bit more worried. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Megan, for walking through all of that with us. Yeah, thank you so much. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Lauren Gardner. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters, where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.